Now, let me just give us a little recap because this is going to be, um, we're treading into deeper water tonight, but not water that's uh, so deep you can't understand it. It's very understandable. As I already told you, the historical biographical portion of Daniel is finished with chapter 6. And cha- uh, uh, the first six chapters are primarily telling us about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel in a pagan kingdom and how they survived continual pressure for them to assimilate into paganism. And it was a great lesson for us today because we're no longer in a Christian nation. We're in a nation that has a lot of Christians in it. We're in a nation that has a lot of people that think they're Christians in it. But when you look at government law that's been passed, when you look at the primary and the the, uh, overall mindset and belief system of America now, it's no longer a Christian nation. It's a pagan nation with Christians in it. So, and what are we all feeling? We're feeling pressure to assimilate into paganism instead of taking a stand. So I believe God's looking for churches that'll take a stand and grow a spine and say, I won't bend, bow, break, or back down. And he's going to bless those churches with harvest and I believe worldwide outreach. Now, next we are moving into a purely prophetic uh, portion of Daniel where we're going to encounter somebody who Daniel calls the Ancient of Days, as well as his vision of the return of Christ, Daniel's vision of the return of Christ. And our first encounter of the Antichrist in the book of Daniel comes in this chapter. And we're going we're to see what Daniel has to say about this wicked individual. Now, keep in mind that Daniel, along with the three Hebrew teenagers, is captive in Babylon. He's a captive when he's writing this. He's, he's in prison in a foreign land with the rest of the southern kingdom of Judah. And just to give you a little background and help you kind of put your Bible together a little bit better, during this very same time when Daniel is prophesying and the southern kingdom of Judah is in captivity in Babylon, Jeremiah has been preaching and warning Judah for decades to repent. And Jeremiah was a contemporary of Daniel. And guess who else? Ezekiel was also in captivity in Babylon during this time, as uh, was also Habakkuk and Zephaniah, who were prophesying during this time and were contemporaries of Daniel and Jeremiah as well. So you see a lot of these Old Testament prophets are clustered together during this time period and are warning God's people to turn. I mean, God never brings judgment, folks, but what he raises up prophets to warn, to warn the people, you better turn, you better turn, judgment is coming, and they never listen. They never listen. I am stunned when I read through the book of Jeremiah, for instance. I'm stunned at how tone deaf they were to the word of God. I mean, for decades, Jeremiah preached to them, and none of them turned. None of them. Now, you'll recall that we closed out chapter 5 with the death of King Belshazzar. And the Medes and the Persians came in and overthrew the Babylonian kingdom, which is exactly what Daniel said would happen when he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And it's also what Jeremiah predicted. Jeremiah predicted 
that an army would come out of the north and overthrow Babylon. So they had prophetic voices everywhere and a nation that just could not hear the word of God. Now, we're starting chapter 7 tonight, and it begins with a jump back in time to the first year of Belshazzar's reign. Now remember, Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? So the kingdom went from Nebuchadnezzar to grandson Belshazzar. And in the first year of the reign of Belshazzar, Daniel has a dream and a vision. He said, in my head while on my bed. And he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Now, let's, let's start at verse 1. Here we go, chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then what did he do with the dream? He wrote it down so he wouldn't forget it. He wrote it down. Sometimes when God speaks to you, you better write it down. He wrote down the dream telling the main facts of what he had dreamed because he knew it was prophetic. Look at verse 2. Daniel spoke saying, here's what I saw. I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. So he's got a dramatic picture in front of him. Wind from every direction, causing huge waves to rise in the sea. And then look what happened in verse 3. Four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. Don't you love these dreams these people had? These are major dreams. As a kid, I would have loved these dreams. Lions and tigers and bears, amen. These are heavy dreams. But, but what gets me is how accurate God is about the future. So so as we look at these four beasts, here's what you're going to realize. You're going to recognize a strong similarity, if you've been with me in this class, a strong similarity to the dream Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2 of the giant man, the colossal man, some commentators call it, the colossal man. Remember, he had a dream of that huge man who had a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, and legs of iron. And remember, the feet were iron mixed with clay. So as we go through this, we're going to find that this is another version of the same dream. He sees four beasts coming up out of the sea. And let's see what those beasts were, because they are so prophetic. Verse 4, the first beast that I saw was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till his wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a man's heart was given to it. He said, what in the world is that, Jeff? Here's what it is. This first kingdom represented by a lion with eagle's wings is Babylon. It's Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, While, uh, which in chapter 2, when you go back to the colossal man, is symbolized by the head of gold. This first beast, the lion, is also chapter 2's head of gold. The head of gold was Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The lion is Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. The wings like an eagle represent unrestrained flight. And Babylon was king of the earth, going 
and coming as it pleased. It ruled the earth with an iron fist. But watch this. Daniel dreams that the wings were plucked off. What does that show? It shows loss of power, loss of power to fly, loss of power to move. It shows a diminishing of power. Being lifted from the earth and made to stand with a man's heart is likely picturing the time of Nebuchadnezzar's restoration from insanity. You remember King Nebuchadnezzar, he's full of pride. He looked out over the kingdom of Babylon and he said, look at this that I have built, this incredible kingdom that I have built. Remember the voice came from heaven and said, now this is the revised Wickwire version, that's it, dude. Today, the kingdom is taken from you. And what happened to him? He lost his mind, started crawling around on all fours, eating grass like a cow. And he stayed that way for years. What was God doing? He was humbling him. But what happened one day? It says, like the prodigal son, it says he came to himself. And when he came to himself out of this insanity, what did he do? He came out a worshiper of the true and the living God. And he said, God is the God of gods, and, and he's the one that has dominion over all the nations of the earth. And essentially what he says about God, he's recanting what he had said about himself. So he was humbled. So likely this, this picture that Daniel had, this dream of a man's heart, is picturing Nebuchadnezzar coming back to himself and being restored to sanity. So the first creature or beast, the lion, is Babylon. But now he's going to go prophetic into the future to something that hasn't happened yet. He continues to the second beast, and suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said thus to it, read it with me, everybody, arise, devour much flesh. So in the dream, here's Daniel. He sees a bear coming up out of the sea. Now, what is that? Remember, he's having this dream at the beginning of Belshazzar's reign. But we know that Belshazzar's reign didn't last long. And how did it end? How did it end? A hand appeared and started writing on the wall. And Belshazzar's knees started knocking. And he called for all of his wizards and all of his wise men. And nobody could figure it out. So what did they do? His queen came forward and said, hey, there's a guy named Daniel that you apparently don't know much about, but you should, because he'll tell you what this handwriting is. And they called Daniel out of the shadows, and Daniel comes forward, and he says, here's what it says, meany, meany, tekle, you parson. It says that essentially your kingdom is taken from you tonight. And that night, Belshazzar was killed by the invading Medes and Persians, and in one night, an entire nation was overthrown and replaced by another one. A nation can be lost in a day, everybody. A na- this is the kingdom of Babylon, ruled the world, but it was lost in one night. It was replaced by another kingdom in one night. So if you study history, you find that the Medes and the Persians were a bloodthirsty, warlike people, hence the words, arise and devour much flesh. Now the three ribs in the bear's mouth, likely represent the three kingdoms conquered by the Medes and Persians, which were Egypt, Lydia, and Babylon. By the time the Medes and the Persians passed away, they had three ribs in their mouth, three nations they had conquered. Look what God knew before it ever came. Come on, everybody. You're looking at me like a calf stares at a new gate or a deer stares at headlights. 
All right? God knows the future. He knows the beginning before something be, or the end of something before the beginning begins. God knows the end of a thing before it starts. So here he is saying, there's another kingdom coming. Medes and the Persians, they're going to be bear-like, and they're going to conquer three. They're going to have three ribs in their mouth, but then they're going to be conquered too. Because in verse 6 comes another beast. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. So here's a four-headed leopard. Wow, what is that? Well, this one's really easy. This one's the Greeks under Alexander the Great who conquered the Medes and the Persians and many other lands swiftly. Do you know that, that Alexander died very, very young and he died an alcoholic? Did you know that? He didn't live to be an old man. He died an alcoholic and he died very young. But before he died, he was prodigious. He conquered much of the world and he always did it swiftly like a leopard. In chapter 2, that's the belly and the thighs of brass on Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the colossal man. So this is just another version of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. When Alexander died, what what about the leopard with four heads? When, When Alexander died, his kingdom was divided amongst four of his generals, which accounts for the third beast having four heads. God knew that was coming before it ever even began. He knows the end of America. What do you think? He knows the end of the world. What do you think? He knows when you and I are going to meet him. What do you think? He knows everything. Bible prophecy amazes me. Over a quarter of the Bible is prophecy. Did you know that? Now, now we come to the real focus of Daniel's vision, which was also the main focus of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter two. There's, there's a main Focus, a main gist, and here it is in verse 7. After this, I saw in the night visions, and, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, we know what this beast was. This beast was Rome. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the colossal man, the fourth beast is represented as the legs of iron. This is another version of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The distinguishing feature of this beast, let's notice it because it really matters, is the power it possesses of breaking and stomping out Everything in its path. It appears really as a monster in Daniel's dream. Snorting, stomping, chewing, destroying, any opposition. It is a ferocious beast. And this this final beast blows Daniel away. And of course, this is exactly what Rome was like. It conquered the world with brute strength. Listen to what one uh, Roman writer, Dionysius, wrote about Rome. Listen to this. See if it doesn't sound like Daniel's dream. The city of Rome rules over all the earth as far as it is inhabited, and it commands all the sea, not only that within the pillars of Hercules, but also the ocean as far as it is navigable, having first and alone of all the celebrated kingdoms made both east and west 
the bounds of its empire. And its dominion has continued longer than that of any other city or kingdom, Rome, the place of the bloodthirsty Caesars, Nero, Diocletian, others who persecuted the church and martyred thousands of believers. It would be, writes Daniel, different from all the beasts before it. This fourth one, this fourth creature is distinguished from the other three. It is standing out to Daniel more strongly than the other three. It was so different from the other three, it's given no name. No beast is given to symbolize Rome like a beast was given to symbolize the others. Because he can't think of a beast that can symbolize it. It's so terrible. At the very end of verse 7, Daniel adds that it has ten horns. If you were with me in the book of Revelation series, that rings a bell with you immediately. Horns are symbols of power and authority in the Bible. Now we are immediately reminded of the same description of a beast with ten horns in the book of Revelation. Here's what John the Revelator writes. Then, Now this is John writing in the New Testament. Wow, centuries and centuries after Daniel. Listen to this. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. He's having a vision as well. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, I taught you in the book of Revelation series, and I'll reiterate it tonight. These ten horns represent the ten kingdoms into which ancient Rome will have been divided when Antichrist appears. Remember, John said, he described Rome this way, it was, and then it was not, and then it was again. John predicted that Rome would die out, and we know that Rome did. Western Rome went around in the, uh, about the 5th century. It was gone. But he said it's going to come back, and that's the feet mixed with iron and clay in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It's going to come back, but it's going to be mixed with different cultures. It won't be pure iron. It'll be mixed with different cultures. So he's telling us that from ancient Rome, there is going to evolve 10 nations with 10 kings that have come from, are part of, have as their root system, ancient Rome. And I personally believe it's there right now in the European Union. Ooh, I just got Holy Ghost bumps when I said that. Now, these horns are really important because Daniel now, Daniel is completely fixed on this last beast. Look at verse 8. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there, in this horn, were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. Let me introduce you to the Antichrist right there. Now, we know it's not a, an it or a thing or some impersonal force because the personal pronoun whom before whom, whom is used. And since 
In the dream, Daniel says, wow, I saw the eyes of a man and a mouth. That's the Holy Spirit letting us know this is a human being. Eyes and a mouth. Now, he's going to go into this more in this chapter tonight, but uh, Antichrist is the little horn. Probably called thus because at first he's inconspicuous. Notice how it says he comes up among the ten. He's not... He's not among the ten, which seem to be sort of ruling the day until this little horn comes up. And when this little horn comes up, he overthrows three of them in his rise to power. He arises from the midst of these ten kingdoms. He is among them, one amongst many leaders when he rises up. I I, I fully believe, and I don't mean to get spooky or weird or twilight zone-ish with this, but I personally believe that, it, that it's very possible in the European Union right now, somewhere in Europe right now, the little horn is alive. And, and waiting for the moment. And when he comes to power, he does it very, very quickly. Very quickly. Later in Daniel, we're going to see it. Daniel's going to make it clear that the Antichrist steps onto the world stage seemingly overnight. And when he does... There's a power play, and the power play results in the overthrow of three of the ten kings that are ruling the day when he comes into power. And when Antichrist appears on the world stage, he'll apparently, well, I already said that. I'm ahead of myself. My brain went ahead of me. Now, notice his personality. Here's a personality profile of Antichrist. He's going to give us another one later. He is pompous. He is arrogant. He is cocky. He's speaking proudly. He's full of himself. And he speaks blasphemies, everybody. His mouth is full of blasphemy. You know know what amazes me, if I can just digress a second? Um, I don't know if I've just been in the wrong place at the wrong time lately, but have you noticed how people's language has gotten so vile? Have you noticed that? I mean, just vile. Um, um, Wow. Last night, I just I went to a restaurant, and I, and I parked next to a pickup truck. And, and hanging in this pickup truck in the rearview mirror, on, on the rearview mirror was a cross. There's a cross hanging down. But two girls were in this pickup truck, and the window was down, and they were just chatting. And, and the most vile speech was coming out of their mouth with the cross hanging there. I wanted to peek my head in and say, what that cross mean to you? What are you talking this way with that cross hanging off your rearview mirror? But everywhere you go. There's just vile, filthy, godless speech. Well, you know what? Antichrist is going to take the cake. Antichrist is going to be not just vile speech, but blasphemous towards God. Now, next in verse 9, Daniel's vision takes him to the end of the world as we know it. Now, I want you to notice this powerful stuff. Because we're coming back to Antichrist in a minute, so hang on. But look at verse 9. I watched... Here's Daniel in this vision now. It's like watching a movie. He says, I watched until thrones were put in place. Now, the placement of these thrones signifies coming judgment because a throne, when when he says thrones were were put in place or seated, that means judgment is about to unroll. The placement of these thrones signifies coming judgment on this fourth beast, an antichrist evil kingdom. And look what it says next. And the Ancient of Days 
was seated. We need to all say that together. That just feels good. Are you ready? And the Ancient of Days was seated. Woo! Now, now let me just hang on with me a minute. The phrase Ancient of Days means he who is most ancient as today's, an eternal one. And in this context, Ancient of Days is God. God himself, the Ancient of Days. He never began, and he never will end. We can't wrap our brains around that. God had no beginning. So how can that be? Everything has a beginning, only because he made things to have a beginning. But he that gave things a beginning had no beginning. God has no beginning. He's always been. If you think about that too much on the way home, you will wreck. He never had a beginning. Now, the Ancient of Days was seated. That's God. And look how it describes him. His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. Now, this picture of a white garment, this is Bible typology. This picture of a white garment and white hair speaks of purity and wisdom. All you white-haired people in here, stand up and say amen. Because that's purity and wisdom, we hope. All right? But that's that's what... This picture is telling us. His throne, look at his throne. It was a fiery flame. Its wheels, a burning fire. That's the end of verse 9. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Now, here's the typology again. Fire speaks of judgment because it purifies. And God's throne appears to be on wheels, which is telling us that judgment is about to come rapidly. It's speaking of rapidity of movement or of judgment. It's about to be, it's, it's going to happen swiftly. I've noticed in my study of the Bible that when God judges, it comes out of the blue. Uh, when, when Sodom and Gomorrah got judged, they got up that day, made their toast, ate their eggs, said goodbye to the kids, petted the pets, walked out, headed to work with their sack lunch, and boom. When, when God sits on the throne and it's got wheels, rapidity, swiftness of movement, that means his judgment's about to fall and it's going to catch everybody off guard. Let's look at how it's described in verse 10. A thousand thousands ministered to him. This is a picture of his throne. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Now, again, in Bible speak, that's a thousand of thousands. Thousands multiplied a thousand times. The idea, an innumerable host of beings ministering to God around the throne. That's why if you don't like worship, you better tune in. Because let me tell you what you're going to be doing in heaven. You're going to be worshiping Almighty God, and you're going to be ministering to him around the throne. And it's going to go on and on and on. And no, you will not get bored. It's going to be glory to glory and faith to faith and experience to experience and revelation to revelation. A thousand of thousands. What a sight. What a sight. Look at the end of verse 10. The court was seated. Uh Uh-oh, and the books were open. 
Everybody say it's judgment time. Now, this picture takes us again to John's revelation, doesn't it? Where he says in Revelation 20, 12, and books were opened. Look at the similarities. Remember when I taught Revelation, I told you you can't understand Revelation without Daniel, and you can't fully understand Daniel without the book of Revelation. But one is Old Testament and the other is New. Now, look, books were opened. Here's John speaking, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their work. So both Daniel and John are describing the same thing. Here we have, predicted in Scripture, repeatedly, a solemn day of approaching judgment. Now, Daniel's attention next is turned again to Antichrist. So he sees all this, and now in verse 11 he says, I watched them, or I watched then, because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. So he sees God sit on the throne of the judgment. He sees the books open. He knows judgment is about to come. And now he turns again and sees the little horn saying things that are pompous and arrogant and blasphemous. Pompous words the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, again, there is an exact parallel prophecy in Revelations 20, verse 10, where we find Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet all thrown into the lake of fire. See how the word of God agrees? Let me ask you, did Daniel and John know each other? Could they have gotten together and said, hey, let's write a really cool myth? Uh Uh-uh. This is the Holy Ghost speaking to Daniel, and then he speaks the same thing to John. Look at verse 12. As for the rest of the beasts, and that would be the lion, the bear, and the leopard, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So Daniel is saying, I saw the end of the kingdoms that I've already predicted haven't even yet arrived, but now I've seen that they end. The fate of the first three beasts that Daniel has seen coming out of the sea is now revealed. Their dominions has passed away. Their dominion has passed away, and their lives were prolonged up to a particular point and time that God allowed, and then God ended those nations. You know, often in the Psalms you see Selah. That means pause and consider what you just read. Here is Daniel saying, I see the Medes and the Persians coming. They haven't even launched yet. Then I see the Greeks coming. Then I see the Romans coming. And I see that they end, and they end on God's timetable. When God gets done with a nation, he ends it. There's only one kingdom that will never pass away, and that's the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? But we're walking on holy ground here tonight, church, because this is... Spirit-inspired prophecy. This is one of the great evidences the Bible is the Word of God. Next, Daniel is shown the return of Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? I mean, he is having a dream. Look at verse 13. I was watching in the night visions. Behold, read this next part with me. It'll move you. One like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, let me take the next verse, and let's go slow. He came to the Ancient of Days. God, and they brought him, Jesus, near before him, God. 
And Daniel next witnesses Christ Jesus being given total dominion over all things. Hey, I've read the back of the book and I know who wins. Amen? I've read the back of the book. And and Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, and the winner. He is going to rule the earth. Let's, Let's stand together and read verse 14. Because this is Daniel prophesying now the return of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? I want everybody to read it. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve who? Him. Let's keep going. His dominion is an ever... Now stop right, stop just for a second. Do you notice the difference? He he has just predicted four nations coming and going, and all of a sudden we meet one that never goes away. So what does it say? His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Yes. So everybody say, it may be dark, but it's going to get better. And of course, Daniel seeing him coming in the clouds, Jesus himself said that about himself. He said, the Son of Man will be coming with clouds in glory. And he comes out of the east. Comes out of the east. I told, I told you on Sunday, and I'll just close with this, I told you that when I was getting Kathy's gravestone, um, the funeral director just happened to mention that it pointed east. And it rang, it, it brought this verse up to me out of Matthew, where Jesus said, the Son of Man's coming will be like lightning that starts in the east and goes to the west. The inf- inference being that, that when he appears, it'll be first in the east and will go to the west, which makes sense to me. He'll be seen in Jerusalem before he's seen in America. He comes this way from the east. Now, I said, wow. There's a Bible verse about that, about Jesus coming in the east. He said, that's why every grave in this cemetery faces east. Because we're built on the Christian heritage, and and we believe that when he returns, they're all going to come out of their graves facing the east right into him. Right into him. So tonight we've seen powerful stuff from Daniel. And, and I thought about doing the rest of the chapter tonight, but it, but it would be overload. So I, I want to walk carefully through this because it's sacred stuff, and I'm amazed at the Word of God. And uh, I want all of you to be encouraged that this is so clearly God's inspired Word. We know from history all these things happen just like he predicted. And he even knew the personalities of the nations before they arrived. So let's thank God right now, can we? Jesus, we thank